Welcome to Pumpkin Spice Podcast, where we're traveling the globe in search of all things spooky. I'm Rob Schulte. With me, as always, is Graham Young. Hey, Graham. Hey, how's it going? I've almost got that that opening line down. I think we're getting every every episode. We're getting closer and closer. Well, by traveling the globe, um, we mean North America. Now, someday we'll get an air. We'll afford an airplane ticket or a boat. Tickets. Here's the thing. But right, but right now, we all have car tickets. But there's also, you or know, bus tickets. Sorry. Hey, no need to apologize to me. Here's what I'm thinking. On someday, you're gonna surprise me with, hey, I've got a boat ticket, Rob, or we're driving this this uh, this bus underwater to, you know, I mean, there's plenty of movies like The Abyss, right? Like we could, yes, exactly. we could get to a different continent in a certain way. We could go, go to South planet. America, right? Oh, wow. Go to Pandora. Spooky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, since we're doing this, you know, starting off in Wyoming and here we are in Kansas um, after several, several episodes, I'm almost tempted to see if we could do all 50 states, oh, um, yeah. but let's just see where it goes. Here's my question though. Um, and it's fine if the lines are blurred, but are you differentiating between setting and filming location? Um, both. And I know where you're going with this as yes. far as Carnival Assaults, because a small part of it is filmed in Utah. True. But also like, she drives to Utah and then does she drive back to Kansas? You know, all these questions that pop up. Um, I think a lot of the interiors in the Utah sequences were shot at uh, Cintron Studios, which uh -huh. is now Old Father Studios, which we will talk about sure. later in the episode. There's lots of things to talk about, Rob, about in about this film. Oh, yeah. And, and one of the things that I really wanted to discuss with you after we go over like plot synopsis and stuff like that sure, sure. is the film's connection to Beetlejuice. Ooh, tell me more. Tell me more. Uh, uh, well, I guess we should. Yeah. All right. Just so everyone is aware. Yes, we watched Carnival of Souls from 62, not 1998, which intrigues me. I did watch the trailer to the 98 one, but, uh, I think maybe I should just give people a little synopsis just to Excellent. guide them across these troubled waters. Or we, we just talked about, we're not on water. We're on the contiguous United States. Anyway, uh, Carnival of Souls, 1962, directed by Mark. Mark. There's no Mark directing this. Herc Harvey. Um, here we go. Mary Henry ends up the sole survivor of a fatal car accident through mysterious circumstances. Trying to put the incident behind her, she moves to Utah and takes a job as a church organist. But her fresh start is interrupted by visions of a fiendish man. As the visions begin to occur more frequently, Mary finds herself drawn to the deserted carnival on the outskirts of town. The strangely alluring carnival may hold the secrets to her tragic past. Now that's all I meant between setting of the, like, where's our bus ticket going? I don't care. It can go either setting of gotcha. the movie or setting of the filming. I just wondered if you had any sort of uh, red yarn on the wall to your maps of where you're taking me on this. You know, you, there's an argument that could be made that this we would get two states done in one episode. Exactly. Okay, but um, 
this there's such a connection to with this movie and the state of Kansas. Um, there's not a whole lot going on in that state. And so some yes. a groundbreaking film uh, like Carnival of Souls. And, you know, I went to film school at the University of Kansas mm-hmm. and, I, and I went to theater school at the University of Kansas, much with, like Herc Harvey. Which were connected at the time, but now are yes. not for yes. reasons we will go to in some other episode. When we're uh, doing a live episode from Old Father, uh, rest yes. in peace. But I, I, I worked on in Old Father Studios on films and and projects, and that's where a lot of the Carnival of Souls interiors were shot. Um, and you know. I probably shouldn't say this because it's been so long since I've been back to Lawrence, but when I was living there, uh, I moved in 2015. Um, as far as I know, the place was kind of falling apart and I'm Ooh. wondering, you know, it's completely fallen apart now. Okay. See, I didn't know. Tell me. Yeah. They demolished it. So it's no more. I, I don't know what they've done in its stead. But I am looking at a photo right now of uh, from uh, the Lawrence Times back in uh, 2021. Big wow. pile of rubble. I that mean, place was hollowed ground. It was. And here's the thing, though. Like some of those old university buildings that were not like classic university with columns and pillars and made out of granite or whatever. Yeah were definitely not kept up like you were kind of saying like there were there were buildings old father aside there were definitely buildings where you're like damn is there still asbestos in this place yeah absolutely is it safe to be here yeah um i think as far as ku's film department goes and just hear me out my former professor kevin wilmont has an oscar and he's a professor at the university of kansas um there's no i i just cannot believe they tore that place down and i hope they you know because i would like to now that you've said this i really want to figure this mystery out yeah yeah well i'm sure it's purely budgetary yes as as everything is sure and it's i mean as different buildings get built and they have names of banks attached to them it's i mean what are you gonna do right it sucks but i did have plenty of classes in old father myself and it's crazy to think like because i couldn't tell in this you know they this is big space great film. yeah um but also lawrence is like like outside of old father there's so many great settings in south park mastery a bridge that you and i are convinced is a bridge in North Lawrence, but some people seem to claim it's in Eudora. That, about that. So um, I'm glad you brought that up because Rob and I were kind of texting back and forth as, as far as where is the famous bridge? It's the opening sequence in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, where does that take place? And what I'm reading right here, Rob, is that the bridge used in the opening of the film is called the Lecompton Bridge, named after a nearby town of Lecompton, Kansas. The Caw River runs under it. The Iron Bridge was replaced with a concrete one in 1970. That sounds like the bridge in Lawrence. Yeah. I mean, 
I don't know. If Maybe they were like exterior shots, like when you, we see it later in the film. Like maybe not the opening scene, but whenever sure. we see it towards the end, maybe that's a Eudora bridge. Hey, you know what? I I claim to believe that it's the bridge you and I want it to be. Movie magic. Yeah. Well, um, it's just that I used to travel across that that bridge, yep. and I, oddly enough, like uh, one summer when I was in college, I worked at a lumber mill that was mm-hmm. in LeCompton. So oh, I would wow. just take I would take that. Uh, every morning and every afternoon back in. And uh, I, you know, always thought, man, you, you grab the wheel tight. Yes. When you cross the bridge. Yeah. I used to walk across that bridge every now and again when I didn't want to drive. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Cool, cool uh, verbiage there. Yes. Yeah, oh, but, of course. That's me, Mr. Know, cool Verbiage. That's what they called me. As as far as bridges go, um, it's not that different, although they're both their own things, from the bridge in Beetlejuice where Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin go over in their car, similar to uh, our protagonist in Carnival of Souls. And um, not to, I'm going to just put up a big spoiler warning here. Um, our main character in Carnival of Souls finds out that she is dead, just like the characters in Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I can't help but think that that was sort of an inspiration for the script. And I, I would be I would be flabbergasted if if Tim Burton wasn't a fan of the film. Oh, yeah. Um, now, Graham, before we talk a little bit more about this film, I did want to, you know, you said we were texting there was one thing that I had texted you that I was like, my God, this movie reminds me of Soul Survivor from 1984, which I think in a different world where I had actually seen Carnival of Souls first, I would have said, you know, Soul Survivor reminds me of Carnival of Souls. But yeah, like, um, now let me just read you like the one liner from IMDb on Soul Survivor. Okay. A lone survivor of a plane crash is haunted by a feeling unworthy of survival and dead people start coming after her to then collect her. Like that feels like replace a car wreck with a plane wreck. Yeah. And have you ever seen soul survivor? I have not. I'm looking at this poster. I must. Yes. So it's funny. That movie. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm cutting you off all over film. the place. Don't worry about it. That's we're we're firing on all cylinders here. You chose a a, a hot button movie. Well, it's one of those things where uh, it's one of those posters that you've seen um, in a VHS rental store. Oh, if yeah. you're an old timer like Rob and I, um, but I have yet to get to it. So, um, Soul Survivor, sort of inspired by Carnival of Souls. Uh, if it takes place or has anything to do with Kansas, I'm in. Oh, yes. I'm in regardless. I'm going to watch it anyway, but it'd Dude, be cool. It's, it's so good. Um, and it's a slow burn. Like you imagine it kind of like this movie, but yeah, Carnival of Souls. Let me ask you a question about this film though. I think with our institutional horror movie lexicon in our brain, we kind of, know where this film is going that maybe an audience in the early 60s didn't right Mm -hmm. 
But do you feel like the math worked out in this one? Like what they were showing us versus what the end was? Because I'm a little confused about, you know, the the logic of it. Okay, sure. Um, and I'm happy to elaborate if you need it. Well, it's, it's almost like um, her experience of death is one final like blurry vision of life as her existence sort of fades away. Mm. And what we get at the end is a, um, you know, that shot of the car coming out of the water, which is very similar to psycho two years previous. Yeah. And, um, you know, no one knows what happens to you when you die. So that's a free for all. You can do whatever you want with that. And to me, it, it's all it's to me it's like she was fading away from our reality mm. and it's like her you're seeing like things from her from her past or a building that she's obsessed with and it's like a dream like because her reality is fading away and she's entering the afterlife that's kind of how i perceive it how do you like how that. do you how do you read it well i like that read on it i think i look when I watch films like this, I look, I almost take a little bit too literal, even though I love like being able to look at the abstract of it all. But like in this one, having not done any research before going into it, cause I knew it was one of those movies I should have just seen by now. And then I'm like, okay, well I'm not going to like even look at what it's about. I'm just going to go in cold. I'm like, okay, so She's survived a car wreck and she's in a daze. She's being followed by a guy. Okay, maybe she died in the car wreck and she's kind of like a spirit-like figure that can still communicate with people. But then like about halfway through, we get a blurry sequence where then she's she had been talking to people in a department store and then now no one's paying attention to her. It happens. She, snaps out of it in some way and then later on in the movie it happens at the bus station again that ends up actually being a dream sequence when she's in the car and i was like kind of like take the dream sequence out of it for a moment like i didn't understand how it worked with her being the living dead or transitioning into the spirit world uh, what's literal what's not but i love this idea that like it's like what's that game like silent hill 2 where i i haven't played it in so long but i'm pretty sure the end of it is that like you're in this like creepy silent hill town and like everything's like raining and it's always wet and there's all these monsters and it turns out at the end of the game, you've like killed yourself by like driving into a lake. And so like the whole game is like him in this like wet world, you know, kind oh, that's of awesome. like going to hell essentially. And don't quote me on that, everyone. It's just what I'm remembering years later. But, um, but I like this idea of like all of this kind of happening in her mind or in her spirit or whatever it may be her mojo yeah baby um, <laughs> uh so it is it's it's interesting and i think deserves a second watch once you 
once you kind of piece that together you know yeah sure um and it, yeah it's it's a weird film to read and and it's it doesn't there's no hand holding you just kind of experience it's kind of similar to um eraserhead it inspired george romero to make um night of the living dead mm. uh you know a sh- uh, uh, a no budget film uh that had major box office or genre appeal sure um but to me the whole movie is an extended sequence of the final scene in 2001 <laughs> where instead of aliens it's the afterlife sort of being like okay so this is what your life was right like these were the things that were in your life and then you know dave the astronaut is going to go to another place now he's going to be reborn into the universe and the same is kind of happening with her she's going to another place um she's being reborn somewhere else and so I'm wondering if Kubrick was a fan of this. Maybe I'm reading into it into it too much, but to me, this entire film is one extended. Um, I think it's what people call the White Room sequence oh. in 2001, where he sees himself as a as an old man dying, yeah. and yeah, I like that. Well, and it feels like this is the sort of film any filmmaker has to have seen after it had come out, right? Like this isn't. You know, this isn't Ben Hur or something. Sure, it's- but like Night of the Living Dead, this is public domain. Yes. So, um, I don't know about you, Rob, but I definitely remember watching this on late night television with my grandma. Oh um, no, I never. I I don't even think I ever saw this on television. Oh, like wow. like even flipping through the channels, like I definitely recognize, you know, the man character and aspects of it but it just never came up on my radar at all but night of the living dead did (laughs) yeah well that again like every public station was like oh it's play that on holidays yeah uh, halloween instead of this or before this i would say but you know you mentioned the man um he's in the credits he's listed as the man the main ghoul and that is played by herc harvey and I guess he would go to screenings in the makeup. Wow. And um, kind of um, this kind of bums me out a little bit, to be honest with you, because he never did really any um, thing on the level of Carnival Souls after the film was released. He was an industrial sort of uh, filmmaker, made trading videos like how to operate a forklift, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And this was his only contribution to cinema. Yeah. And it's so brilliant. I, I, I'm just dying uh, for another project from him. But I think this was the only major film that I know of. Well, he did some shorts. And sure. um, I'm looking here, Shake Hands with Danger. And it's about uh, working in a factory. <laughs> and it's a guy with his hand is next to like really dangerous equipment. Wow. I love that. Um, but yeah, I wish we could have had another um, Carnival of Souls from Herc um, because that movie just blows me away. It's 80 minutes. If you haven't seen it, please watch it. Well, Graham, I was also thinking about this while watching it. 
how obviously, you know, like you get your hometown pride, you get your college pride, you get to the things where it's like, oh yeah, they filmed this here. And I remember back in the mid nineties, I had heard about a movie that was at theaters that was filmed in Kansas city. And I was like, oh, I should go see it. And it was just this terrible, like political drama. I don't even remember what it was called, but it was just shot on videotape, you know, that sort of somehow got a wide release. And I'm sure it was playing in Kansas city because they were able to hype up that scenes were shot in Kansas city. Um, and then I was thinking, I want to figure out like what else has been filmed in Lawrence, Kansas. And I don't think anything really at the like prestige of Carnival of Souls. Yes. Uh, just looking at this list. I mean, yes, we all kind of know that the day after. I was going to say that's the only thing that could that would come close to that. And TV movie, you know, that's still not yeah. if we're talking prestige, you know. But like there's movies, I don't know, you ever heard of Prime Cut from 1972? Uh, oh my gosh, yeah, I haven't seen it and it's on my 72 Same. watch list. So Same. Uh, one of these days we'll do a Midwestern 70s thing. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk about that. I think that's great because like, you know, where the pigeons go to die in 1990, uh, shake hands with danger, of course. Um, a lot of TV movies, um, apparently some scenes in Mars attacks were in Lawrence. I didn't know that. Yes. Um, I knew that they were filmed in Kansas, but I didn't know that they were, um, filmed in Lawrence. And those are the scenes with, give me just a second here. Sylvia Sidney. Oh, okay. uh, she she's the old woman yeah, that has yeah. the music that kills the aliens. She yeah. is a classic film star from the 19 twenties uh, and thirties and forties. And um, she has this film that uh, I've, I've been obsessed with for years called merrily. We go to hell <laughs> and um, it's, it's a 1932 film. This sort of predates the code where they could, make films and not have to worry about being censored. And yeah. um, it's, it's just a really cool, dangerous movie about uh, marriage. Well, there's one other Lawrence, Kansas filmed movie that I think I'd like to just put on everyone's uh, radar. And that would be 2010's affection affectation. Why haven't I, have, why haven't I seen this? Uh, I think you might have. Uh, it we'll talk offline. Yeah, it gotcha, is, gotcha. There's a lot of film students in Kansas. Um, yeah, but Graham, back to Carnival of Souls. I just thought it was done so for the budget that it had. Some of the creepy scenes are incredibly creepy, and I love that they're atmospheric. You know, the acting in as areas of it maybe left me wanting but it was just kind of it didn't really drag it was fun it held my attention it's not too terribly long and it tells a great story and when you bring this piece of information to me about like you know this this bridge between life and death and the afterlife 
it really does start fitting together like her playing out things she has experienced in her life like the whole date sequence with the drunk guy it's like that's probably something you never lived down right thinking about this terrible date you had once right yeah you know a shopping experience that was going very well for you you know like you were just enjoying yourself and the the person helping you is great like these are like that's a nothing moment but a nothing moment that kind of like sits with you right yeah it is a slice of life and i i kind i really dig that i really do yeah um also you know the scene where she where she, uh she's trying to get dressed and someone comes to her um hotel room yeah yeah and and that's just kind of a weird experience that your brain or your consciousness may sort of jumble and mix up but yeah you know um you're right as far as budget goes this film looks incredible um i think anyone that's driven a car late at night by themselves uh, well, uh -huh. this movie well or not it, it may creep them out but there's just something about this film that is hypnotic and you just kind of slide right into it and it's i don't know it's one of my it's one of the best movies i've ever seen in my life yeah it's i'm glad i watched it it may not be I don't know. What am I trying to say here? I think that like something like a night of the living dead, since we keep talking about that public domain film, I think grabs you in a different way because it's kind of more exciting, right? Like sure. it's a little bit more of an action film sure. than this, but it's made just as competently. And I kind of, you know, it would be hard to say like, I like one over the other because there are just aspects, especially after reflecting and chatting with you about it. But yeah, I was, I'm really, I'm really pleased. I'm glad we watched that. And I'm looking forward to whatever we're going to watch next. Yeah. I mean, um, my final notes on, um, uh, Carnival of Souls. I forgot what movie we were talking about. Um, is that I'm with you. It's a slow burn. Um, it's not as, um, exciting quote unquote as night of the living dead but um the movie starts and goes immediately and um it starts like a, a fast and furious movie because yeah. the very first line in the film is hey you want to race y'all uh -huh. and and from there i mean that's like the first two seconds of the movie and we're going yeah. it doesn't waste any time at all um, but yeah, it's a fun movie. And if you love Fast and the Furious series, uh, definitely you want to check this out before you see Fast and Furious X. Yeah, don't don't sleep on this. It's good. <laughs> well, Graham, speaking of fast cars, do you have a fast bus ticket for me? I do. I do. We have our three from last time, which I'll I'll uh, say again. Okay. And then I'll I have I'll add, basically what I'll do is we'll keep three up at all times. Okay. Okay. And because I may have overloaded you with four choices, it was tough last time. Yeah. So let's tough. just go three. And again, this is how the sausage is made. Um, <laughs> People but, love it. Yes. Okay. 
But our places to go are Portland, Oregon, okay. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Greenwich Village, Manhattan, New York City. Well, let me tell you, I'm... I moved from Kansas to New York City, so I'm going with that ticket. I want to know what's happening in Greenwich Village. That's what I thought, because we, and now you live in California, yes. and we kind of did our California movie. Yep. So let's go back to Rob's old uh, stomping grounds. And this is a big one, uh, Rob. Um, this film is tied with Body Double. Uh, Brian De Palma's body double yeah. as as my favorite slasher of all time. Whoa! And it's made. It's a film made by probably the most underrated of all the film brats, um, William Friedkin. I'm talking about Cruising. Oh wow! I've never seen it from 1980. Cruising is an incredible film and your mind is going to be freaking blown when you watch it it's one of those things that like i was talking about this with a friend of mine and like our favorite slashers kind of boil down to mystery films who's killing people we got to stop them mm -hmm. you know and i would recommend this to people who love uh agatha christie mysteries or, you know, a lot of whodunits, like what Ryan Johnson has been doing the last couple of years with his Knives Out series. Mm -hmm. But the film is so disturbing. And so it's got what we call in the in Kansas, it's got true grit. Ooh, I like and, that. And um, so as far as um, William Friedkin goes, again, huge fan, probably in the horror world, most known for um, The Exorcist. But I think that, and call me crazy, I think that this is, I prefer this of the horror thriller slasher monster movies that he's done. Mm. Okay. Okay. I, you know, I've heard lots of great things about cruising. Gotta love, gotta love a good Pacino film. And Paul Servino, come on. I mean, it's got everybody in it. Yeah. Joe Spinell's in it. Like, I mean, it's just, um, it's one Karen of the best. Allen. Yeah, oh. it's one. Of, it's one of the best New York City movies ever made um, by a guy from Chicago who, um, gosh, I'm trying to think. Uh, he did. A, I guess he did a couple of movies in New York. But anyway, um, William Freakin is one of the best living directors out there. Would you um, say he's freaking good at his job? He's really freaking good with his job. Rob, did you see his last film, Killer Joe? No, I didn't. Um, that is another great sort of thriller, horror-ish film. Well, I'm starting with Cruising, and we'll see where we cruise on to after that and if you love cruising uh, and this goes for both you and the audience rob uh please please check out william freakin's best movie 1977's sorcerer okay on the list all yes. right well graham <laughs> this has been another fantastic episode of pumpkin spice podcast listeners if you'd like to help us out check the show notes for a link to do so or Leave us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Graham, I cannot wait to watch Cruising, and I cannot wait to pod with you about it. 
once again next time on our episode. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. And for everyone out there that thinks that their state has the number one horror film in the United States, well, we want to hear it because we might discuss it. So yeah. let us know. Let's keep that the lines of communication open. And let's see what's going on. United States horror films, state by state. Love it. See you next time. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.